Hello and welcome to another episode of My Favorite Trees. My name is Thomas and I love trees. This week I'll be talking about a super weird and incredibly cool tree known as the Baobab. The eight species of Baobab are distributed across Madagascar, mainland Africa, and Australia, where it is also referred to as the Baob. There's actually several fun nicknames for this tree, like the Upside Down Tree, the Monkey Bread Tree, the Tree of Life, the Bottle Tree, and more. Whatever you call it, this tree is our first Southern Hemisphere species, and I'll quickly explain why that detail is significant. Hundreds of millions of years ago, our landmasses were all smushed together in a single supercontinent known as Pangaea. Around 200 million years ago, plate tectonics caused Pangaea to start to break into smaller pieces. At first, it was just two smaller supercontinents. The northern one is referred to as Laurasia, and was comprised of modern-day North America, Europe, and Asia. The southern supercontinent is referred to as Gondwana, and was comprised of modern-day South America, Africa, India, Antarctica, and Australia. Because of this early geographical separation, plant and animal species of the northern and southern hemispheres evolved very differently from each other. When I studied forestry in college, I was mostly taught about trees with economic importance in North America. When you get a forestry job in the U.S., that's all you really need to know. So when I cover a tree that grows outside of North America, like the Rowan, I have to do a lot of my own research, but it ends up not being too foreign to me because species across the Northern Hemisphere share a lot of genetic ties, thanks to their origins in the Laurasia supercontinent. But Southern Hemisphere species, like the Baobab, are unlike anything I have had any formal education on because of that separation between the Northern and Southern supercontinents. They are completely foreign to me. And that is so exciting that I get to learn about such incredible trees with you guys. But before I drag this intro out any longer, let's learn about the many, many things that make the Baobab so special. The first thing you need to know about the Baobab is that it is a very weird looking tree. One of the biggest features that makes these trees so strange in appearance is the size ratio between the massive trunk and the very small canopy. These trunks are thick. Using scientific descriptors here, this tree is a girthy boy. The tree can reach heights of 65 to 100 feet or 20 to 30 meters with a large percentage of that height being just the trunk. The diameter of the trunk can range from 6 to 30 feet, or 2 to 10 meters, but the width of the tree doesn't necessarily scale with the height, meaning you could find baobab trees that are only around 50 to 60 feet tall, or even shorter, and still have that 30-foot diameter trunk. Just the wackiest proportions. In appearance, the trunk can range in color from a clayish orange-brown to shades of gray, and they are very smooth, so not a lot of texture or furrowing. Part of what makes them able to reach such thickness is that these trees are succulents. They can absorb and hold on to massive amounts of water, and when they do that, they swell up. Moving up to the canopy, it looks like a crown that belongs on a tree half the size. One of the nicknames, the Upside Down Tree, comes from the fact that the canopy looks more like a root system. So the tree looks like it's face down in the ground with its little root leggies sticking up in the air. But it's not, because the crown does still produce leaves and flowers and fruits. The leaves actually change their structure throughout the tree's lifespan. 
In the early years of life, the leaves are simple, meaning it's just one leaf on a leaf stalk. But as the tree matures, the leaves start growing in compound, meaning that each leaf stalk sprouts several leaflets that together make up the whole leaf. The shape of this compound leaf is called palmate, so imagine your wrist and hand as a leaf stalk, and your spread fingers are the leaflets that sprout out. That's the sort of shape we're working with. It's a similar shape to buckeyes or horse chestnuts, if you're more familiar with those species. The flowers are very short-lived and utterly fascinating. They are only reproductively active for 15 hours. Most other plants have a flowering season. We see plants bloom for a couple weeks. Because the opening process of most flowers is so slow, the movement is never really visible to us without a time-lapse camera. The baobab flower opens so fast that its movement is actually visible to the naked eye. The open flowers are composed of five papery white petals, and in the middle is this dandelion ball-looking thing. They also tend to hang downwards, which adds to the whole idea that the tree is upside down. When they are ready to be pollinated, the flowers will open in the evening and release this stinky, sulfurous smell that basically screams, It's time! Because they open at night, they are most commonly pollinated by local bat species. By morning, the flower is done. It is spent, and it drops down dead with its purpose having been fulfilled. Over time, these pollinated flowers will be replaced by the baobab fruit. These fruits are gourd-shaped, ranging in length from one to two hands, depending on the size of your hands. The exterior is greenish-brown and really hard, kind of like a coconut, uh, but also fuzzy, kind of like a kiwi. When you crack them open, you'll find this really pulpy white interior, uh, kind of like cacao pods, if you've ever seen videos about how chocolate is made. Oftentimes, the pulpy material forms in these blocky-shaped pieces that can be pulled right out, hence the nickname monkey bread tree. In regards to what the baobab is related to, this is another story of the tree historically being in a smaller family, but in recent years being lumped into a larger family as we have learned more about the tree. Originally, it was in Bombacaceae with durians and balsa, like where we get balsa wood from. The entire family has since been lumped into Malvaceae, which is the mallow family, comprised of cacao, hence the fruit similarities, as well as okra, cotton, hibiscus, and tilia, which is another tree I absolutely love. Tilia is also known as linden or basswood, depending on what part of the world you live in. But when I am referring to the baobab, I am referring to the whole genus, which is only comprised of eight relatively similar species. That genus is called Adansonia, which is named for the 18th century French naturalist Michel Adanson, who first described the African baobab, which is the most widespread of those eight species. The name baobab is most likely just a word that refers to this tree. It was first described in Latin, but stems from a Central African language. I don't think we know what other origins this word may have had. Of the eight species, six are endemic to Madagascar, meaning they only grow on that island. One is native to Australia, like I said it is more commonly referred to as the baob. It likely got there when the continents were a little bit closer than they are now, but it still would have had to just float its way over across the Indian Ocean, which is really cool. 
And then the other one is native to mainland Africa. And it's that more common species that I think most people think of when they hear about or see this tree. It grows across much of the continent, and Africa is absolutely massive. It even grows as far north as the southern end of the Arabian Peninsula. Another really cool fact about the baobab is that it is considered to be the longest living angiosperm. Remember that angiosperms are trees with fruits and flowers, as opposed to gymnosperms, which instead produce cones and other weird things that aren't fruits. The oldest baobab specimens have been dated by radiocarbon as old as 2,500 years. Now, there are several trees that have longer lifespans than this, but they are all gymnosperms. And I am working on a sort of mini-series about the oldest tree species, but that probably won't be done for a while. There are actually some claims that this tree can grow to be as old as 5,000 years, but at this time we don't have any solid scientific evidence to support these claims. We can already see that there are several things that make the baobab such a special tree. And while I do enjoy how science can explain the tree's many oddities, I still love a good story. And there just happen to be a lot of stories that explain why the baobab looks the way it does. One thing about African culture that I find so fascinating is the value that is often placed on the verbal exchange of stories. And when I say African culture, that's not really a thing. There's hundreds if not thousands of different cultures across the continent and they don't always align with current political divisions. Anyway, a very common cultural trait is how history is shared through verbal as opposed to written language. There are, of course, some cultures like those in Egypt who use written language like hieroglyphics, but throughout many African tribal histories, we don't see people like scribes recording events like in medieval Europe, or anonymous peoples carving stories like Gilgamesh into stone tablets like the ancient Mesopotamians. Stories, myths, legends, and histories were shared through speech. And as much as I love reading stories in books or watching stories in TV and movies, I still really love being told a good story, and I love telling stories. And if you enjoy listening to podcasts like this one, then it's probably because this is a tradition that you enjoy as well. But one characteristic of a more verbally shared history versus written is that stories can change with the telling. It's generational games of telephone, essentially. Because of this, we get a lot of different tellings of similar stories about the baobab. There is one very common theme throughout a lot of these stories, though, and that is that this tree is upside down. You know, we're not looking at its crown, we're looking at its roots. There are so many ways to tell the story of why the baobab is upside down. I found over a dozen different explanations, and I would like to share all of them with you, but I'm limiting myself to only, like, five or so. Which may still be a lot. We'll see. Reach out to me on social media and tell me which one you end up liking the most. I really want to hear it. Okay, story number one. So God was walking around Africa, just casually sprucing up the landscape by planting trees here and there. But when he planted the baobab, it kept pulling itself out of the ground and walking around. And God was like, hey, you stop that. Trees aren't supposed to walk. <coughs> Banyan. And so God just flipped it upside down and stuck the baobab in head first so it would stop walking around. Story number two. So again, God is walking around planting trees. 
At first, the baobab was planted in the jungles, and he complained to God, saying, <laughs> It's too wet here. So God pulled the baobab out and planted it in the mountains. And again, the baobab complained to God, saying, <laughs> It's too rocky here. And at this point, God realized that this was just going to continue, so he took the baobab and planted it in the dry desert, but he planted it in head first, so it would stop complaining to him. Story number three. So this time God is just visiting a valley in Zimbabwe, and he started to get kind of thirsty. So he walked over to the baobab because he knew that this tree was a succulent and held water. But the baobab was like, yeah, sorry, I don't have any water right now. And God got all upset because he was thirsty. And he flipped the baobab just upside down, stuck his head in the ground. And he was like, well, maybe next time have some water for me. Story number four. God is hanging out in his beautiful garden up in paradise. He's walking around, watering stuff, just having a good old time looking at all his pretty plants. And then he finds a baobab growing, and he was like, oh my me, ew, what is this? And he ripped up the baobab and just threw it right out of paradise. And it fell all the way down to earth and slammed into the ground, planting itself head first. Story number five, last one. So the baobab is having a good time growing next to a small lake in Africa. It looks around and sees all these other really hot trees. It sees the palm tree, so tall and slender with its elegant drooping leaves. It sees the flame tree, so named because of its bright red flowers. And then the baobab was like, huh, I wonder what I look like. So, <laughs> so it looked at its reflection in the lake and was like, ah! God, we need to talk right now! And God was like, yeah, what's up? And the baobab went off like, yo, what is up with you making me so ugly and fat and giving me these weird ball things that are apparently flowers? And around this time in the conversation, the baobab spots the fig tree and sees how pretty its fruits were and just kept getting more and more upset, complaining that it got a bad deal. And God was like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Are you not happy with my creative prowess? Are you too good for the body I gave you? Here, maybe don't worry about being jealous anymore. And God grabs the baobab, sticks it in the ground headfirst so that it could no longer see the other trees or itself to make such comparisons. Here's the thing. I said that's all the stories I was going to tell. That's actually just the stories of why it is upside down in Africa. Even in Australia, thousands of miles away, the aboriginal people also independently looked at this tree and decided it was upside down and made their own stories about them. My favorite of these, just the one, is that there was a god who was planting trees and they planted the first baob seed. And this god told the seed that it was going to grow into the absolute prettiest tree there ever was. You know, the brightest flowers, the tastiest fruit, a graceful figure. And then the baob grew into what it did. And the god was like, um, excuse me, this is not what I asked you to do. And they flipped the tree over and stuck it back in headfirst. These stories make god out to be quite spiteful. Which is kind of on point there, I think. And I feel like there's some body positivity messages to be had with some of these. Okay, please humor me for a couple more stories. These aren't about why the tree looks upside down, and they're super short. One story claims that the baobabs sprang into existence very spontaneously. Hence why the flower blooms and disappears so fast. Other stories claim that the baobab possesses the souls of the dead or some kinds of ancestral spirits. 
Either way, there's a lot of spiritual significance with this tree. And then there's also the story of two lovers who were not meant to be because their families or tribes hated each other, but their love was so strong that they got turned into two entwined baobabs. You know, that old hat. And I swear that's it. But you can tell from all these many stories that there's some real culture behind this tree. And I really, really love that. I love these stories. I honestly don't know which one's my favorite. But even without the stories, this tree would still be loved by humans because almost every part of the tree is incredibly useful. And this aspect of it is where we get the Tree of Life nickname. For starters, the tree holds water and humans have learned how to slurp it out. Water is life. Thank you for the water tree. Medicinally, there are various parts of the tree that are considered to be a sort of universal medicine. The leaves can help with fevers, diarrhea, kidney disease, inflammation, toothaches, and malaria. The fruits help with microbial diseases, the bark helps with anemia, and the seeds are powdered to help treat coughing. And there is actually real science to back all this up in regards to the amino acids, fibers, and vitamins that are naturally found in these trees. For example, the pulpy fruit contains 7 to 10 times more vitamin C than oranges. The tree is used extensively in the kitchen as well. The leaves are widely cooked like spinach or dried and ground into a powder to be used as a thickening agent. The fruit is often dried and powdered as well to be mixed into meals. I'm talking smoothies, pastries, or even just stirred into milk or other beverages to add the vitamin content and make whatever you're eating healthier. It's also brewed into beer. Like I said, the fruit kind of looks like and can be pulled apart like monkey bread, but I don't know if anyone actually eats it that way or not. Earlier this week, I went looking for some baobab so I could try it for you guys. I had to go to a couple different health food stores, and all I could find was this expensive powder, which is just ground up baobab fruit. I got it, and tasting it raw, it kind of tastes like fake orange, like how medicine can be flavored, which is super not great. I mixed it into some oat milk, and it didn't really combine super well. Maybe skip ahead 15 to 30 seconds if you're not into gross descriptors. But it stayed pretty chunky, and just didn't taste good. And to be honest, the nutritional facts just say I get 10% of my daily fiber and vitamin C, which I don't know, but that doesn't really feel like that much. But I'm not going to waste this powder, so I'm going to have to get creative and mix it into smoothies to cover the taste so I can actually finish it. Sorry if this disappoints y'all, but now you know. As for the rest of the tree, the seeds can be eaten raw, ground into a powder like everything else, or roasted and used as a coffee substitute. The flowers are probably the least useful part of the tree. Sometimes beekeepers will post up near baobabs and have their bees pollinate these short-lived things to make honey out of. I actually read a 15-page research paper about why the flowers are actually more useful than people think. It talked about things like cultural timing and livestock forage, but I honestly got the gist that they were just grasping at straws for a really long time, and I just didn't buy it. The baobab is also used in cosmetics. Parts of the tree that are ground into powder or oil are used in face creams, lotions, and hair products because of the content of antioxidants and omega-369 acids that are apparently good for you. You can probably find some baobab stuff at health food stores like where I got the powdered fruit. Still not sure how widespread they may be though. Because the tree is a succulent, the wood is pretty much useless for anything other than holding water. 
But like, do we really need more uses for this tree? One of the stories I told, the one about how the baobab complained that it wasn't as pretty as the other trees, one addendum to that is that after it got shoved headfirst into the ground, it realized how petty it was being, and decided to make up for its wrongs by being the most useful tree ever for humans. But the wood is fibrous and can be made into rope or cloth. The middle of the tree tends to be hollow and can work as a shelter. There is actually one really big baobab in South Africa that is over 150 feet around and can fit 60 people inside it. And we know that because it's used as a bar called the Big Baobab Tree Bar. And I really want to go visit it. One sad thing, though, is that apparently many of the oldest baobabs are starting to drop dead. Scientists believe this is due to climate change, whether from warming temperatures or changes that bring on more frequent, intense weather patterns. Before we continue to lose more, I'd really like to go see the baobabs in their native range. But we are still in a serious pandemic, and also, I am very poor. So here's to the future. One with more baobabs, less pandemic, and less me being poor, so I can go and see all of these incredible trees. I want to thank all of you for listening to this podcast. If you have the time, leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help us grow. The music is by Academy Garden. You can find more of their stuff on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Bandcamp. Wherever good music exists, they are there. My cover art is by Brittany Burnett. Find her incredible photography on Instagram at BoomerangBrit. Find me on Twitter at MyFavoriteTrees and get updates on future episodes and extra goodies. If you'd like to thank me back, you can do so by buying me a plane ticket to South Africa. I mean, donating to the organizations on my website, mftpodcast.com. Now, go find a tree that you love and give it a hug.